the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. In today's episode, we're sharing a presentation from MaxLawCon 2021. Keep listening to hear Bill Umansky as we share his talk, Resilience in Uncertain Times. You can also head to the Maximum Lawyer YouTube channel to watch the full video. Have you grabbed your ticket to this year's conference? If not, head to MaxLawCon2022.com to get yours today. Now to the episode. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. So I'm going to start and I'm going to sit there. You see the little slide? Well, let me tell you something. And this is really, really important because I know that each of you came here to learn. But a lot of us, we're going to learn because you're in vision, right? And what David Fries said was totally correct. You got to know about vision before you operate on tactics. So I want to thank you for coming in because when you have vision versus marketing, we all want to make money, right? Do we all want to make money? Right. But you got to have some vision. So I got to tell you the truth. And I want to know the truth from you guys. Who here really detests liars? Raise your hand. Obvious question, right? Except, you know, I'm a liar. And I hate them too. Which by definition means that there's been a period of time before I even gave this speech, I hated myself. But I had to come here and give you a speech about resiliency. So, I would imagine who here does not own a law firm? Who here owns a law firm? You own a law firm, you're married to him, you own the law firm. And you could take it from him if you ever get divorced from him, so. But, in the end, we're here about resiliency. So who here is resilient? Who's made comebacks, right? Comebacks, that's an awesome word. However, I gotta tell you, when Jim and Tyson asked me to give this speech, I was in no place to come here to give it. And I say this with full sincerity because I am a liar. And the person I've lied to most, really, is myself. And why did I lie to myself? Because I had developed an ego that was so large that I thought I was the most resilient mofo. I'm not going to curse because I'm not allowed to curse Jim. I curse in front of Jim's daughter. In this room or any other room, I was the most resilient motherfucker in this room. That's what I thought. But boy, 
I was really wrong about that. Horribly wrong. Who here has experienced pain or a condition or a medical condition that no matter what treatment you have, you can't seem to escape from? Anyone here? So you know what I mean. Right now today, I have right-sided sciatic pain. And it feels like, anyone have sciatic pain? (laughs) A lot of ex-athletes here maybe. So it feels like a needle stabbing you in your buttocks. I didn't use the word ass. So stabbing you in the ass and running down your leg into your feet. It's the kind of pain that chases you down. Chases you when you work. Chases you when you play. In my case, even chases you down when you sleep. It's some serious pain. So I didn't want to come here today. When I was asked to write this speech, I was supposed to give it two years ago before COVID or a year ago, and I was ready. My speech was resiliency, get the fuck up. I lost the speech. When I had to sit there and write it, I swear to you, like I didn't know what to say. And I didn't want to come here and give you some pity-laden speech about resiliency. So it was really, really tough coming here, actually. And I can tell you that when I was going to write this speech, I had nothing to say, but I also was in a place in my mind that was very, very dark. I had really, really bad thoughts that if I couldn't escape the pain that I'm in actually right now, that I would do something to release myself from that pain. It was a brief thought, but it was a thought long enough that scared the shit out of me. Because I wanted to do one last thing. One last thing. Those of you who know me know I love to travel. I wanted to escape to another country and do one final act of selfishness so that I could escape everyone, everything, and yes, I'm married, have two children, and everyone. I was done with being resilient. I was fucking done with the comeback. So they still asked me to come here and give you a speech. And I know that each of us, since you're in here and want vision about resiliency, I think it is important for us to go through some stories because I think you can learn about some comebacks and about resiliency. So who here has had a business failure where you've invested a ton, a ton of money and lost almost all of it, putting your family or your business at risk. Anyone? You're entrepreneurs. You know the crushing nature of defeat when you lose. It crushes your soul. So you made a decision that you threw money away, right? You threw money away. I did the same thing. This conference is sponsored by Filevine. I don't know if Ryan is here. He's flying in late. He's the CEO of Filevine. A cool dude, actually. But I had tasked my team to get an intake system and CRM. Now, you got to remember, there's a lot of young lawyers out there, right? And I'm old, and I'm sitting there using, can I say it? Yes, I'll say it. Time Matters, a program that's 25 years old. While I'm sitting there with young lawyers who are doing fancy things with intake and all that junk. So I tasked my team. We had a leadership team. We interviewed 17 companies, Filevine, Practice Panther, I mean, just my case, go through all of it. Every time my team reported back to me and said, Bill, this is not going to do what you want it to do. So I had a brilliant, brilliant idea, a brilliant idea. I decided I would create, 
my own software. I had never vetted the idea. I never talked to anyone. I never talked to a salesman. I should have talked to Ryan Anderson. Never did it. That's all I thought was, I'll create something better than all of them. I'll reduce employee costs. Man, at the time, I was so selfish. I'll fire employees. They'll, they'll do it automated. Automated. Everything be automated. And then I'll sell it across the nation. So I tasked my COO, current CEO, Winnie Page, and I hired American developers. American developers. It's mistake one, because they were very, very expensive. And for the next two years, we toiled and built out an intake system and a CRM on a platform called Ronsala. Right, Jay? So I noticed week after week, we would start you know, making progress, building out this software, try to download it. There was no app. And I was having lots of problems, because I realized that every time we took a step forward, there was going to be definitely three steps back. Some days, four steps. And I was spending money like it was going out of style. One day, literally, I get up with no reflection, no thought. After two years, can you imagine this? Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, we're trying to develop this software. And one day, I just decide without talking to anyone on my team, I'm done. I call my CEO, Winnie. Page, I say, Winnie, we're just done. There's silence on the other end of the phone. I really didn't give a shit what she thought, actually. I just knew I was done. And I said, cut it. Well, Sarah's sitting here, who's my director of finance. And this is really crazy. This is the truth. I had no idea what I spent on this software. So I called her up and I said, Sarah, I need to know what I spent on this debacle. And she's like, you don't want to know. Well, she wouldn't tell me. So the next day, I walked into her office. Actually, there's a chair here. I remember she's got a small office right across from mine, sat down. And I said, tell me what we spent. So was it 50000 in two years? 75000 125000 150000 Nope. 200,000, anyone know what I spent? $285,000. Now, if any of you are big ballers in here, maybe that's not so much, but for me, having two kids that were getting ready for private university, it was a lot. And I got really dark again. I started feeling bad about myself because we failed. And this was at a time where I didn't have enough money saved up for my children's education, and then I had to tell my law partner, some of you know, Zara Umansky, my wife, <laughs> that I had nothing to show for it. The next 24 hours was bad, was dark for me. But I would amaze myself, because I could immediately shoot a video about how wonderful I was, 285, it taught me nothing, middle-class mindset, I don't have it anymore. I can spend money, lose money. I can take chances. I think, because I was trying to confirm with you, Jay, whether I actually gave you the software or not, because he's using Ronsala. But I wanted, in my mind, I was like, I'll just get rid of it, and there'll be a story for it. I felt pretty good about myself. I felt resilient. I was like, I can do anything. I can fail, and everything's going to be A-OK. -okay. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So. Who here, and be honest with me, who's had a rock star employee 
that you've had to terminate. Okay? You will have a rock star. Who has rock star employees? You're learning a lot about team building and everything, but trust me, one day, who's got a rock star employee that they're great in sales or they're great in litigation? They're wonderful in a lot of what their job is, but they just don't follow your values. Does anyone have anyone like that? You still do? Brian, really? Well, I'm not going to point you out, but... <laughs> I mean, you know deep down inside, Brian. You know deep down inside, right? You know that despite that they're good, you know that if you get rid of them, you're going to have a hit on your business, right? And you know that you keep them on at a cost to your teammates, right? And you also know, in some respects, you have these values, because you're a smart guy, and everyone else in here is going to go through this or has been through this. Not my friend Brian, but you're a hypocrite. Well, I had one such rock star. And he came, he interviewed with us. He was wearing, like, ragged jeans, a flannel shirt. I don't remember what he was wearing. This guy, I graduated law school, but he was hungry. I added him to my intake team, and I'll tell you, that guy could sell, 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 sell. We do criminal cases. He just understood what people needed, and he gave it to them. But he was a cancer. He berated my staff. He wouldn't follow technology. He wasn't positive. He'd show up late. He showed up whenever he wanted. Even though we had flexible hours, he didn't seem to care for any of the rules at all. And his teammates didn't respect him. And worse yet, they didn't respect me because I kept him on. One day, he came over to me in front of my staff, in front of my staff, and started screaming at me. I smiled. I don't have an ego. This guy can't bother me. But what I was thinking was the bottom line. So I walked away, went out. I may have had a drink. I don't remember. But I remember at the time that I think I lost the respect of almost everyone on my team. Have you ever felt overwhelmed with everything there is to do within your legal practice? How do you keep up with your legal work while making time for growing your practice and attracting clients? Do important things like deadlines and even your family fall through the cracks? This is why you should join us at the number one conference for legal entrepreneurs, Max LawCon. We're going to be focused on helping practices scale and bringing calm to the order. This conference is curated in order to accelerate your implementation. Based on where you are in your legal practice, we're going to help you identify exactly what is most important right now. When you leave Max LawCon, you go home with complete clarity, focus, and a plan to make 2022 your best year ever. And not only your best year in terms of revenue, but your best year in terms of time. Time back with your family. More time to do the work that is in your zone of genius. Only taking the clients that you like. And more money in your pocket. It's all at the Maximum Lawyer Conference. Max LawCon is a two-day event on Thursday, June 2nd and Friday, June 3rd in St. Charles, Missouri. Seats are filling fast. Grab yours today at www.maxlawcon2022.com. So... I was listening to a Gary Vee video one day, and I decided, you remember to see Gary Vee? He's like, hey, you've got a cancer in your office, get rid of him. Next day, without thought, fired him. Last straw for him was he had actually told a 17-year employee of mine, he was screaming at her because she was trying to get him 
to adapt to our new software that I failed. I think I just at that time lost it. And I told him, get the fuck out. I think I said it twice. Get the fuck out of my office. And with that one decision, and we're a seven-figure firm, I'm not bragging because I can't seem like Greg Goldenfarb to get to eight figures yet. You should listen to that, dude. But that's a lot of money because we're not just a single seven-figure firm, but we had a 20 to 25, maybe a 30% drop in income almost immediately. Now, I'm starting to panic big time. How do I replace this guy? My other sales team were good, but not as hungry as this guy. So over the next year, this is pre-COVID, I hire three lawyers, personally interview many more. Sarah helped me. I didn't care. Hire slow, fire fast. Got them in there. Trained them. Spent up till 10, 11 o'clock at night working with them. I had to fire each and every one of them for that next year. I'm 50 some odd years old. I like work. But for those of you who are entrepreneurs, you need to get out of sales, right? Especially if criminal lawyers are here. Otherwise, you'll never escape your practice. And I'm sitting there selling, 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 selling. I got so desperate that I went out of the box and I found a woman who was a longtime prisoner, a convict. She was in prison because she had a shitty lawyer. If anyone could be empathetic, it was this woman. But she didn't work out. This is funny because I'll tell you, sometimes, oftentimes, I think all of the time, I, I, I was going crazy. I was like, I made a mistake. Maybe Brian shouldn't fire the person. I made a mistake. And then one day, a guy comes in from Cuba, not from Cuba directly, he's an American citizen, but he's a Cuban guy. And he grew up in a house that I know was smaller than some of your living rooms. Is anyone here Cuban-American? Well, let me tell you, this guy came over here with nothing. He worked in the U.S. Army, became a U.S. Army Ranger, and was kicking down doors in the Triangle of Death. That means death. This guy had killed people, been shot at, kicked down doors. His name is Armando. I love the guy. He's no longer with me, but we're still very good friends. He's driving a truck because he had a little background issue that maybe he has to take care of before the bar. But I will tell you, that guy changed everything for our firm. He followed our values. He understood the chain of command. And most importantly, Brian, he could sell, sell, sell. Our teammates rallied around him. Our sales blossomed during COVID. We maintained. And when the governor of Florida opened us back up, we were really, really in a position to dominate. He was that amazing. And what I learned in that year of failure or going through stuff was that I realized I have to stick to my values. That's true grit and true resiliency. But I ended up, and this is really interesting, I ended up learning the most important thing was I got to get out of sales. So I removed myself from the situation, hired an attorney sales manager, and really I don't have to hire, fire, and I barely even have looked at my phone for signups this week or last week when I was in Vegas. And for some of you who know when you're running a business, that's pretty hard to do. I'm out. And that really is resiliency, or so I thought. Last one. Anyone have a health condition that I talked about? You said sciatic pain? Anyone else overcome a condition, cancer or anything? Anyone have to fight through, get through, because that's the biggest resiliency, right? Chemo, radiation. Anyone here want to share that? So 
I can tell you that I've had seven surgeries, seven. When you have seven surgeries and you fight back after each one, I had two Achilles, and I'll show you something. These are my friends in the hospital because you had two Achilles. Look carefully, there's a cast. I was in the hospital for neck surgery. I've had two Achilles, knee, shoulder, skin cancer removal. I had two discs replaced in my neck. That's me at the hospital. If you see there's a boot on my leg, I had re-tore that Achilles, re-tore it, and then one day woke up with searing pain down my arm. I'm a PI lawyer, so I called my friend who's a neurosurgeon and said, listen, if you don't want atrophy, you need to come in and take care of it. Had surgery, and there's my friends trying to put me out of my misery so that my wife could collect my insurance money. <laughs> I was just in Vegas with those MOs, but whatever. But so after each one of those surgeries, you know, I rehabbed. But here's the deal. I forgot, I'm gonna jump off stage, I was told I wasn't allowed to. You gotta see it. One day, I have a, a firm called Injured British in Florida, and my partner and I go to London to try to get cases. Quite honestly, we just wanted an excuse to travel, and we, we created this firm, but we started getting cases. So we would go there once a year or twice a year to meet with English lawyers, and then we go down to Spain, you know, to party. Well, again, I'm over 50, and I'm at a bar one night, and we're all dancing around partying, and there's a guy that bought a big bottle of Magnum. Now remember, I feel resilient. I'm, the trajectory is here for me. Anything I can do, I'm gonna overcome. So like an idiot, I sit there and buy a bottle of Magnum champagne. I'm shaking it, my idea is I'm gonna spray it on everyone on the dance floor. This idiot, I jump on the bar, and I jump down. I probably shouldn't have done that. And I could feel something really, you have sciatic pain, right? You just feel it. And I was like this. There's a bunch of young people around dancing. I'm like, this just doesn't feel right. The next day, and this is why I brought this, I think that picture is hard to see. So I'm at Nikki Beach Club in Spain. We're sitting on day beds, drinking, and I'm wearing this shirt and this Speedos. I hear a scream, and some German lady saying, help. Apparently her friend, a boyfriend, she was drugged out, I don't know, was trying to drown herself, literally walk into the water and drown herself. There was no one that made a move to help her at all, at all. So what did I do? I ran my little Speedos, my gold thing, and went in the water and proceeded to try to save her. I'm trying to get her out. She's fighting me. I'm a pretty strong swimmer, but it was pretty hard. I get her into shallow water, I get her into shallow water. I actually kicked her in the head. It's not pretty when you're trying to save someone. And I actually saved her life. But she was like dead weight. So you can imagine twisting to get her out of the water. And between those two actions and those two nights changed my life. Because over the next 18 months, sciatic pain, both sides. And I told you I have one-sided today. Both sides came down my leg chiropractor, facet injections, epidural injections, bilateral pain injections, blocks, all of that, cold laser therapy, all this stuff, right? I go through all of it. One day, any gymnasts in here? One gymnast. You're a gymnast, Mike? Hmm. I got so desperate, I started doing pelvic floor work and for men, and I challenge you to look that up on Google, and I'll tell you, it was the last straw. I ended up getting surgery. Well, here's the key. I then get surgery, rehab, shooting video after video on social media. Look at me, I'm doing great, I'm wonderful, I'm terrific. 
But you know what was funny? There was something reckless about all three of those stories. All three of them. Because what happened at that point in time was that I forgot what it was like to feel the pain of the moment of all of those stories. You guys are all entrepreneurs, and I think this is what I'm really trying to get at. You know, I thought that I could overcome every single thing thrown at me. What happens when you have a crisis next time? And I want you to pay attention to this. Do you sit here and think that the next time you face a crisis, because you're all entrepreneurs, right? You survived business failure, maybe. Maybe fired a rock star employee. Have plenty of stories because we're entrepreneurs. Resiliency and comeback separates us from the herd. What happens if you don't want to make a comeback? What happens if you don't want to fight? And if there's some of you in this room, like I did, are thinking, that's not going to happen to me. Bill's a crazy guy. He doesn't know what he's talking. We're not going to take him seriously. You're in for a rude awakening. You are. You see, I forgot that in all of those things that happened before and many other stories, that there was pain, pain in those stories. I forgot that there were teammates that I left on the field. Remember the CEO that I called and told her, hey, we're done. That was her dream. That was her project. I forgot because I came numb to it all. And literally, if you forget those stories, then you yourself have created a false god in yourself. You lie to yourself, and then you start to begin to believe the lie. So I'm really here to tell you that resiliency is not a straight line. It is not a straight line. You get me? It's about peaks and valleys. And there's always going to be another time that you may not want to get up. So I'll just leave this with you. I think it is really, really important that if you ever feel that way, that you say to yourself, it's not a straight line. Maybe I need help. Because when I had to write this speech, I rediscovered the fact why I was so lost. I had lost my humility, lost it. And I realized that in all of that, and I'm in pain today and I'm a different, different attitude about it, I need help. So I get that help. Help of friends, hugs, love, all of that, it's helpful. I feel much more vulnerable today than I ever have before. And you guys will never have to go through this again because you'll realize what I never realized, that resiliency isn't a straight line. So I'm going to end this by telling you, and i got to tell you, I'm an old school guy because I was going to have you text the lawman. If you want to screen this and follow our videos on mindset stuff, if you want to listen to our podcast, The Lawman's Lounge, that my co-host Jeff Elhofer, who does a, be a better job than me, produces it and gets us on, please do. But more importantly, if you are suffering a business failure, and I'm telling you, there are people now there for me, I pick up the phone and call them, take my cell phone down. Because if you ever go through a dark space like I did, you don't want to tell anyone else, you don't want to talk about it, you don't need to lie to other people and you don't need to lie to yourself anymore. Because I want to be here, and I, I mean that, I will be here for each and every one of you that texts me. Don't call me, but text me. Because we've all been there, and it's tough. So thank you guys. 
Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.